This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. This is New Beginnings. I am Freddie Bell. Glad you're with us today. And coming up on the show, many of our favorite partners, including Label Sternbach and friends from AARP Minnesota. All this plus the words to the wise on New Beginnings. And our program is underway right now. We open our show with Dr. Michael Osterholm this week. He's a Regents professor and also has advised presidents of the United States on COVID-19. Dr. Osterholm is a frequent guest on New Beginnings, and I'm hearing, sir, that you have a brand new book coming out about COVID-19. You know, uh, authors usually never want to talk about their books before they're hatched. But let me just say the one that I am working on right now with my co-author, Mark Olshaker, who many of you recognize, also co-authored Deadliest Enemies with me, and our incredible editorial support of Ann Hennigan. And we actually uh, hopefully will complete this book within the next uh, uh, weeks. And it is one that has been entitled The Big One. And it's not really about a historic review of the COVID pandemic but rather about lessons learned from the COVID pandemic that we should be carrying forward to prepare for the big one. And you say, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? Well, we are describing in this book a scenario that could very easily happen with either uh, coronaviruses or influenza viruses, much, much more impactful uh, kind of a pandemic in terms of worldwide health and economic implications than we've seen with SARS-CoV-2. Think about this. SARS and MERS, two previous coronavirus uh, challenges, both killed between 15 to 35 percent of the people that got infected. Now, the good news is, is they were not that highly infectious, meaning why there was airborne transmission. We were able to shut down transmission uh, by basically identifying cases and quickly isolating them. That's not the case, as you know, with SARS-CoV-2. But fortunately, and still it's a tragedy in no other terms, only one half to one percent of people who developed uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection or COVID-19 died. Now, there is nothing, nothing to keep one of the coronaviruses that could emerge in the future from having the same kind of lethality or what we call virulence that is similar to that which we see with SARS or MERS and the infectiousness of SARS-CoV-2. Imagine a virus as highly as infectious as SARS-CoV-2, killing 15 to 35% of the people, as opposed to one half percent of the people. And so what we're trying to do is prepare people to say, these are the things that we should be learning. What did we learn from mandates? What did we learn from respiratory protection? What did we learn from what we closed in terms of schools or not? And in a sense, it's really our way of going back and saying these are the lessons we should have learned, could have learned, but haven't. And I think right now we want to gloss over this quote-unquote pandemic because we're done with it. And we sh- I can surely identify with that and understand that. But at the same time, we're missing the opportunity to learn from our experience as to how we can be better prepared for the future. So this book is really all about that. And uh, it's probably not going to be always a well-received book because I try very hard just to, you know, 
tell the truth and, uh, you know, do it uh, with humility, but do it with certainty about the things that we could have done much better and what that means for the future. So we'll keep you posted on the book. Uh, you know, I, uh, I hope that it can contribute to a dialogue about how to be better prepared for the future. And that's what it's all about. Uh, again, the next pandemic is going to be here, which it will happen in a world where my grandkids live. And so for me, this is a labor of love. And to be able to work with Mark and Ann on this book is a remarkable gift. Uh, they are very, very talented. And uh, I hope that it can have a positive impact of making our future pandemic responses more effective for my grandkids. Certainly your grandkids and all of our children and everyone listening are so important to all of us. Thank you, and we wish you a lot of success on the brand new book. We've got to leave it right there. You're listening to New Beginnings. I'm Freddie Bell, and we've got more to come. Stay with us. Love for One Another Charities was established by Prince Rogers Nelson and his wife, Maite Garcia, back on November 12, 1996. Prince and Maite always loved helping and giving back, so they formed Love for One Another with their mission to assist hungry, underprivileged children, the homeless, and those with disabilities or special needs. Their passion comes in honor of their only child, Amir, who was born on October 16, 1996, but passed away six days after his birth. Love for One Another Charities was officially reclassified from a private foundation to a public charity effective retroactive to January 1st, 2017. Joining us now is a co-founder of that charity now known as Live for Love Charities, Maite Garcia. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) So glad to have you with us. How are you? I'm unbelievable (laughs) and really excited to speak with you. You're such a legend in the Twin Cities and around the world. And to talk about your charities, uh, driving for better outcomes for humanity, it's just amazing that this charity has lived for all of these years, Maite. Yes, it has. I mean, it, it was something that we, we did out of pure love. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, that's what it's about. You know, people forget about that with their lives and everything. And it's about, it's about love. So <laughs> It's all about love. Talk about the number of children and families you've helped since 1996. Wow, I couldn't even tell you I, uh, a lot. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, it, there was many times that. I mean, when we were a private foundation, it was with Prince's money, and, and we just, we just, we just helped whatever we could find. I mean, if we if we saw something, and, and we never really announced it or told people, but I mean, in my time when I was with him, and, and even after, he helped a lot of people, not just children, but a lot of people in need and it's um it's very inspiring the fact that now we're revamping it we're making a public foundation and and we're doing the same thing but just publicly <laughs> everybody Maite garcia joins us this morning co-founder of live for love charities and you have a big event happening on december 17th here in the twin cities at the capri yes i'm flying in for it i'm so excited we uh for the last month and a half i think we've been taking people nominating um it could be a foundation it could be a person it could be i mean anything that's doing good um and we've taken i can't even tell you i think over 100 nominations and we're going to give a hundred thousand to 10 of these groups uh on the 17th we're really excited there's going to be amazing concert amazing music food i mean it's a, a great time to gather especially during the holidays and the ticket prices are either going to be twenty dollars or bring a toy because we're going to give that 
back right back to another foundation in need. So let me understand. So the charities Live for Love will be awarding $10,000 each to 10 charities, or is it bigger than that? Yes, yeah, $10,000. $10,000 to 10. 10 for 10. 10 for 10. <laughs> My okay. coffee hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> yes. So you said yes. it's in the spirit of helping people up and helping people out. Uh, tell me Absolutely. about that idea. I mean, you know, that's we, we thought about this. We really, really researched, and we spoke to a lot of people throughout the years who, who knew Prince, not just myself. And it just was the perfect, I guess, motivation to help people up and out, you know, and with love, of course. Mm-hmm. So who will be... Now, why did you select the Capri Theater of all places that you could have done this? It's a historical place. I know Prince had uh, some stuff with it. I mean, we're also helping children um you know and they just redid it they revamped it remodeled it and it, it looks amazing so i'm really excited to bring attention to it as well i mean it's, it's an amazing theater and we plan on doing a lot with them in the future you mentioned food and a concert who's on the bill yep. who will be performing oh my gosh I, I i can't even tell you but i'm telling you this this is really talented amazing people because we picked them so <laughs> we come from a pretty pretty okay musical background mm-hmm. i would say so <laughs> so really some talented people that are coming and and of course the food you know that's important too so it's going to be amazing we can't wait to see that so de- sunday december 17th is holiday celebration mm-hmm. for capri toys for kids live for yes. love charities a free concert at the capri theater Bring a toy or make a donation of $20. How do we get these tickets, Maitay? You go to liveforlovecharities.org. We have that in the flyer. Our social media everywhere has all the links to it. If you go, if you just go to liveforlovecharities.org, you'll find it. Or if you go to the Capri Theater, there's also uh, the website for the Capri Theater. That as well will be available. And just show up. Doors are at 5 o'clock. All right, doors at 5 o'clock on Sunday, December 17th. Uh, How can we reach out to you uh, via social media so we can connect to this uh, particular event coming up? We are on TikTok. We we have our own YouTube channel, which we have amazing videos as well of of the people that we help and things that we plan on doing. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, It's liveforlovecharities.org. Live for love so, charities. I mean, that's our website, but Live for Love Charities. And it's live and then the number four, love. Ah, using the numbers too. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And you know what? It's funny because when I first met Prince, I was like, how, how, how am I going to be able to, to do this? And it just came naturally. Like the two, that was just the way he wrote. And all everybody around, surrounding, of course, him would do it the same. So, it's live, number four, love. So you mentioned the numbers, uh, a memory of Prince. What's your favorite memory of Prince? I have to say, he was a funny, such a giving, of course, talented. I mean, he was he was everything. And, you know, Minnesota loves him so much. I mean, I, I still see the love that he's getting from there. And it, it just it warms my heart. I mean, of course, around the world. But there's a special place for, for Minnesota. Indeed. Well, Maite Garcia, I can't thank you enough for being with us this morning and sharing information about the December 17th event. Thank you so much.
And did you know that today is National Homemade Bread Day? On National Homemade Bread Day, homes will fill with warm, comforting aromas, reminding us to slow down and enjoy this day. Yeast bread calls for us to slow down. We need to spend time with each other as we work the dough and let it rest and rise before baking. Quick bread allows a special treat to share and enjoy with coffee or even tea. Other homemade breads such as donuts, pretzels, muffins, and biscuits add variety to our everyday meals. And making them with friends and family brings joy and an opportunity to exchange recipes. Those who make homemade bread commit to using good ingredients and investing in the time. They make it not only because they love the flavor, but because they know the people they love will also enjoy it too. Homemade bread enriches the flavor flavors of our meals, and the flavors of our conversations as well. Bread is full of symbolism around the world, across cultures, and across religions. In our lives, bread is valuable. We consider our livelihood to be our daily bread. We are making it, breaking it, consuming it as a part of our faith. Bread can be exciting if it's sliced or boring if it's white. There's a bonus bread too. However, it seems a bit messy if it's buttered on both sides. Then again, when we roll it in the dough, it's messy too. Bake it and it becomes heavy bread, but it means the same thing. Today is National Homemade Bread Day. Vaccines.gov is your trusted source for vital vaccine information, offering a user-friendly platform to access up-to-date details on vaccines, including COVID-19, discover nearby vaccination locations, understand vaccine safety, and access resources for healthcare providers. With multilingual support and comprehensive educational materials, Vaccine.gov empowers individuals and communities to make informed decisions, promoting public health through vaccination. Stay informed, stay protected, is all at your fingertips on Vaccines.gov, a message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Introducing the New Beginnings Podcast, featuring career, health, and financial information for people on the go. To get your fresh start, visit freddiebell.com slash newbeginnings. Check out the new New Beginnings Podcast today. Thank you for listening to New Beginnings. You can stay up to date with this show. All you have to do is go to Google or to Apple and download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app. Yes, download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app and you'll be up to date on everything concerning this show and anything related to Freddie Bell. More to come. Stay with us. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. Now it's my favorite time of the program when we turn our attention to talk finance with Label Sternbach. Label is an amazing author. He is the Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. We're back again and continuing our discussion on Roth conversions. This week, we're going to talk about IRMA, what it is, and how it impacts your Roth conversion strategy. I'm joined by Label Sternbach. He is Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and also Authenticity. Label, it's good to be with you. So what is IRMA? So IRMA is one of those government acronyms. You know how the government just loves their acronyms. Yes. Uh, well, this one is comes to us from, you know, the Social Security 
administration and which also administers Medicare. And it is something called income related monthly adjustment amount. If that wasn't a mouthful. Oh, uh, what is that again, please? <laughs> income related monthly adjusted amount. Irma. Yeah, Irma. Um, what it is essentially is um, for Medicare Part B and D, um, so the optional parts of Medicare, um, if you make too much money, and we can put that too much in air quotes, the Medicare is going to charge you a surcharge um, for the premiums. Now, another way of phrasing that is everyone gets a discount on how much Medicare Part B and D costs, but the more money you make, the less the discount amount is. Right? So depending on whether you want to you know, um, be a welfare, look at it through the lens of a welfare, or you want to look at it from the lens of you know, capitalism, um, you can decide, you know, which one you want to do. <laughs> but either way, there's this dollar amount and it gets added to your bill every single month based on how much money you've made in the last two years. Interesting. Everyone, we're talking with Label Sternbach about IRMA. And one more time on that definition of IRMA. Income-related monthly adjusted amount. It is how much your Medicare Part B and D premiums get increased based on how much money you've made in the last two years. So how is it calculated, Label? It, is, it isn't a simple calculation. I'm going to give you a simplified version of it, but don't try to calculate this. Okay. <laughs> they, the simplified version is, is they look at your taxable income for the last few years, and then, of course, because this is the government, they add things back in. So things that you don't pay taxes on, but they're like, well, this should be considered income because it's income, even though you didn't pay taxes on it. We're going to add it in to that amount. Um, and that's what you're, you know, we're going to base this premium adjustment on. So that's the calculation. So can you tell us how the, uh, do Roth conversions impact Irma or is it the other way around? So Roth conversions can count as income for Irma. They do count as taxable income because as you know, right, when you do a Roth conversion, you take money out of your traditional retirement accounts. You put it into a Roth account, and at the moment that you pulled it out, it is considered taxable income and goes on your tax return. Um, now, if you roll it over into your Roth, you now get the benefit of that you don't get taxed on that money when you take it out again, assuming you wait five years. Um, but that is, you know, that is the idea is that it's going to be taxable income. It shows up on your tax return and it affects your IRMA. So when we're thinking about doing Roth conversions, a lot of people, Ask me the question, I want to do Roth conversions, but I don't want to do more than Irma. I don't want to trigger Irma. Everyone seems to be so afraid of this Irma uh, and paying the this, you know, heightened premium that they kind of, you know, do this this horrible gymnastics and, and contortionism <laughs> to reduce the amount that they're doing of conversions to keep below Irma. So people are talking about converting until they hit the Irma limits. It kind of sounds as if uh, that's not that's really a non-starter for you. Am I reading you right? It's not that it's a non-starter, but I think it's a red herring. I think this is this is what happens when you read information online, um, and people like to make hot, uh, you know, headlines and clickbait, and you know they like to get clicks, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
if we just think about this rationally, if you are someone who is has enough money, if you are someone who has enough money that paying, you're worried about overpaying on taxes in the future, and you're willing to pay a significant amount of taxes up front in order to, you know, save on taxes down the road, would you really consider about would it really change the impact of your decision if you paid an extra few thousand dollars a year in Medicare premiums for two years? Shouldn't that just be part of the calculation to begin with of whether a Roth conversion is ideal or not? It seems that way. Right. Yeah. So the reason why I say is a red herring is because the only people who would be seriously impacted by Irma so much so that it would make them not do um, a Roth conversion are the people who probably shouldn't be doing Roth conversions anyways, because if it's going to impact your finances so much that that extra, you know, $100 a month, $200 a month, $300 a month, right? If that is going to change your decision, then I would argue your finances are so tight that you shouldn't do a Roth conversion at all because you can't afford to give up that money up front and you can't afford to take the bet that maybe you're going to save money on taxes down the road. Interesting. Interesting. So who should be worried? Well, not worried, but who should be concerned about Irma's? I, I, I The person who should be concerned about Irma is the person who doesn't have a lot of money. The person who, you know, the person who a hundred dollar premium is something that uh, paying an extra hundred dollars a month in you know Medicare premiums is something that will hurt their finances, right? With that, that's going to be the difference between them going out to eat or not, right? They're the person who should be concerned about it, and they should be making sure that their taxable income and that their you know the way that they earn money and the way that their investments are structured are done so to keep their Medicare premiums as low as possible. Now, I just want to, you know, put some numbers out there so that we can have some context of what we're talking about. Okay. Irma, right, for someone who's married, so, so you married filing jointly, the most you'll pay a month in Irma is $578, right? That was as of, you know, last year. It's every year it adjusts for inflation. But we're not talking about a huge amount of money, right? So if you were working, you were almost certainly paying more than that for health insurance. So to go, you know, to you know, to go from one hundred and seventy dollars about, which is what you know the the bottom tier is, to paying five hundred and seventy, right? So what's that four hundred dollar difference, three hundred dollar difference? It's mm-hmm. not really a big difference, right? And if you're talking about doing conversions that are so much that are going to put you, you know, that much over. I, I, I think you're asking the wrong questions. Now, if you're all the way at the bottom, right, and you're paying $170 a month and you're like, well, the next tier up, right, which is like, you know, 240 about, um, and you're like that extra, you know, 50, uh, what is it, $60, $70, that extra amount is really going to make or break it for me. I, I, I think you have bigger problems than wondering about Roth conversions. I, I no. think there's a lot of other things we can do to shore up your finances, and Roth conversions is the last th- thing you should be thinking about. So when you reel it back, so where would you start with this individual to help them to adequately plan and leverage uh, not only Irma, but also the Roth conversion? So 
for the person who who's thinking about doing Roth conversions and they're worried about Irma, usually I just point them to the Irma chart and tell them go Google right Irma Medicare premiums Medicare.gov and go look it up right go look up at what that chart is and usually when they see it and I'm like listen the amount of tax you can pay is going to be substantially more than that right and it's only for two years because then your taxable income comes down and they reevaluate every two years so. It's not, we're not talking about a huge amount of money. So if that's going to be the make it or break it decision for you, then I, I think that we're talking about the wrong thing. It, and usually that's enough for them. Um, now, if that's not enough for them, right? And they're like, well, I want to make sure that I'm keeping my Irma down, right? Then it's okay, fine. Then let's look at the the conversion scenarios that keep it down. And it usually lines up with the 22% tax bracket, in which case I tell them, go to the 24% tax bracket, which ends up being somewhere in the Medicare, you know, you're somewhere in the middle tier now. So your Medicare premiums double, but it's not the highest amount. Um, and generally speaking, you know, okay, you're paying an extra $1,000 a, a year in Medicare premiums and an extra 2000 But if you compound that over 30 years, right? And then the tax savings that you think you're saving, just add it into the calculation. And if that amount isn't enough to save it, then you shouldn't be doing Roth conversions, right? Reduce the amount. Um, but because it's it's such a red herring, right? It, it gets people riled up, but it doesn't really <laughs> make a difference in the numbers, right? Like if, you're, if your retirement plan is upset by an extra $2,000 a year expense, then you've got serious problems. Interesting. So it's, it's amazing that uh, it it seems so basic, but uh, basic is where you find a lot of leverage, a lot of opportunity. You've got classes, you've got information on both Irma and the Roth conversions that your website yields for you. Yep. Yeah. So we talk about a lot about on the website, we've got a bunch of classes and resources for Roth conversions. Um, Irma, we've got some resources on there under the resources and guides. But like I said, right, it's not something to really worry about. Worry about everything else in your finances um in part of the analysis we do we do show the Irma premiums in there um we don't even we don't even go the full length of like you know doing the crazy real life calculations like what medicare does because it has such a small impact it has a it has a it's a rounding error in most of the math um that is not even worth putting in that effort um but it's there so that you can see like okay this is we're really we're really just talking about two thousand dollars you know we're talking about twenty thousand dollars over the next 20 years um it's not something that's worth uh worrying about um so i would keep that in mind and i would really really focus on how is it going to impact your quality of life right now how is it going to impact your financial security um and make decisions from there you know, with that being, you know, just another expense you have, you know, at the end of the day, the fact is, is that Medicare only pays for, you know, uh, a subset of the expenses that we have in retirement. Looking at other ways that you can save yourself money uh, in terms of taxes or healthcare is a lot more, is going to pay off much bigger than worrying about Irma. He is Label Sternbach. He's Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and also author of the book entitled Authenticity. If you missed any of this, and it's so simple, it's just amazing the difference between Irma and the limits and uh, the Roth conversions. But you can still find all this information at yields4u.com. Yields, the number four, the letter u.com. 
Label, do you have a final thought for our audience this morning? Yeah. Um, final thought is, is that, you know, at the end of the day, what really matters is, you know, enjoying your retirement. So figure out what it'll take to enjoy it, make your decisions as best as possible, and then just go with it, right? Don't overthinking this and tearing yourself apart is not worth it. All right. That's all the time we have for this time. But join us again next week as we talk about the real reason why people should do Roth conversions and what we think is the killer Roth conversion strategy. I'm Freddie Bell, and we'll be right back. Thank you for joining us. And it happened this week in 1619. America's first Thanksgiving was celebrated in Virginia. In 1812, the power more was patented by Pat Galliard of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. In 1918, President Woodrow Wilson became the first president to travel outside the United States while in office. He set sail for France to attend the Versailles Peace Conference. In 1967, Bert Lahr died at the age of 72. He's best remembered for his role as the cowardly lion in the classic film The Wizard of Oz. Shame on you! What did you do that for? I didn't buy them! No, but you tried to. It's bad enough picking on a straw man, but when you go around picking on poor little dogs... Well, you didn't have to go and hit me, did you? Is my nose bleeding? Well, of course not. (laughs) My goodness, what a fuss you're making. Well, naturally, when you go around picking on things weaker than you are, why, you're nothing but a great big coward. You're right, I am a coward. (laughs) I haven't any courage at all. In 1984, the National Geographic Society discovered a Bronze Age shipwreck off the southern coast of Turkey. The discovery dated back to when King Tut ruled Egypt. In 1985, Dallas, Texas became the largest city in the United States to pass no smoking laws for restaurants. In 1993, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Frank Zappa died of prostate cancer at the age of 52. In 1997, Latrell Sprewell of the Golden State Warriors was suspended for choking and threatening to kill his coach, P.J. Carlissimo, for three days. The suspension was later reduced and Sprewell was reinstated to the Warriors, which had terminated his contract. And in 2015, actor Robert Loggia died after battling Alzheimer's disease at the age of 85. One of his memorable scenes came in the movie Big, where he performed a duet with Tom Hanks on the giant floor piano. It happened this week, and you're listening to New Beginnings. The holiday season is here, and what better gift to give than the gift of positivity, enlightenment, and of course, good cheer. The ultimate holiday gift this year, Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and FreddieBell.com. Ensure the special people on your holiday list are greeted each day with a positive, thoughtful, yet uplifting message. So this holiday season, give the gift you know they'll love. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Each year, financial fraud steals up to $37 billion from senior citizens. It was devastating. What are we going to do? Many lose their entire life savings. They told us we had no choice. The Center for Combating Elder Financial Abuse conducts extensive research and provides comprehensive training to individuals and organizations to help prevent elder financial abuse. You wiped us out. 
How could this happen? Join the fight at endefa.org. Thank you for listening to New Beginnings. You can stay up to date with this show. All you have to do is go to Google or to Apple and download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app. Yes, download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app and you'll be up to date on everything concerning this show and anything related to Freddie Bell. More to come. Stay with us. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend, and it's my pleasure to bring in Kathy McClear, AARP Minnesota State Director. She's with us quite a bit, and it's so exciting to be with us right now. I just want to ask you right off the off the top, we're going into the holiday season. Do you think that the scammers are taking the holiday off this year based on all the new technology we're seeing with AI and so forth? Oh, Freddie, scammers never take the holiday off. (laughs) In fact, I think they kick it into high gear. And, you know, I know Jay often is on your programs um, and talks about uh, those scammers like to like get you under the ether, right? They get you in this heightened state of concern. And that's equally true during the holidays when we are all distracted with uh, making sure our lists are checked off and the, the groceries are bought and the decorations are up. Um, So scammers really um, take advantage of us during the holiday season because they know that we may have our guard down and may may just be too distracted to really catch that fraud or scam as it happens. Tell us about the work of AARP's Fraud Watch Network. Yeah, so the Fraud Watch Network is available to anyone. You do not have to be 50 and older to participate, and you do not have to be a member of AARP. We know that last year, 40% of all frauds and scams happened to people who were younger than 40. But we also know that those who are 60 and older lose the most amount of money in a fraud or a scam. And so this is the Fraud Watch Network is really about uh, providing valuable information, resources and education to help us all, because based on those numbers, we are all targets of frauds and scams, um, provide information and resources to help better protect ourselves and protect those hard-earned dollars that we that we work so hard to put in our pockets. Everybody, we're talking about frauds and scams and the scammers don't take the holiday off. I want to share a quick story with you. My 17-year-old granddaughter was a victim of a scam uh, for some artwork and uh, they threatened bodily harm, uh, taking out our family if she didn't make a payment it was really quite concerning, and we called uh, the local police department to report this scam. Is that something that you're seeing a lot, and is that the appropriate step to take in a situation like that? Yeah, well, Freddie, it is just heartbreaking to hear that you have that personal connection to a fraud or scam, and it is so um, it is so personal, and you do feel so violated when something like that happens to you. Absolutely, it should be reported. Frauds and scams are often underreported because people are either – um, they feel like, you know, they should have known better or they feel ashamed to report it. Um, but absolutely, it should be reported. And more importantly, sharing those stories uh, by sharing those stories. And thank you for sharing your personal experience with that, because by others hearing from you what happened and what your family went through, um, it might spark uh, spark something in someone else to keep them from becoming a victim in the future. And so sharing those stories is so, so very important. Um, in fact, we are hoping that folks will not only report uh, scams and frauds to the authorities and share their stories with others, we would really love for folks to share their fraud stories with AARP. Um, we know that in the next legislative session, we'll be doing some work to um, advocate for some policies uh, that 
that really protect consumers and enforce laws, you know, when you make those payments to a scammer, you don't get that money back. And so we would like to see um, some mechanisms in place to help make those victims whole. Um, but we can't do that without stories. We can't do that without um, understanding how people are truly impacted by by these really insidious um, scams and frauds. If there is someone out there now who feels that they have been a victim or they might be or they're trying to help someone else, do you have a resource for us? Absolutely. The Fraud Watch Network has a uh, uh, has a dedicated helpline with specialists to help work, help you work through that. And the number is one eight seven seven nine zero eight three three six zero. And if someone has a short story to share with us, they can do that at aarp.org forward slash MN stories. Beware of the scammers. And Kathy, thank you for being with us this weekend. Thank you. I'm so glad you're listening to New Beginnings. And from the lighter side of my desk, there was a truck in China that overturned and spilled its load on the road. Within minutes, more than 20 people were seen scrambling to snag all the peaches they could carry. The truck was carrying about a thousand pounds of that delicious fruit. And can you guess what this is? It originated in ancient Egypt and was considered an essential food for the afterlife. What is it? I'll tell you in just a few seconds. And workouts do more for your brain than crossword puzzles and Mozart. Doing puzzles and listening to classical music might improve your concentration momentarily, but they don't actually make you any smarter. That is, they don't improve your long-term brain function, according to Nicholas Spitzer, a professor emeritus of neuroscience at the University of California and founding editor-in-chief of BrainFacts.org. Spitzer says, let me dispel a brain development myth. Many people think classical music is going to enhance brain function or playing a particular game sharpens one's cognitive functions. These theories have been looked at in detail and they don't stand up. What does work? Spitzer says exercise is the key thing for brain function. By exercise, he means general activity and exposure to sunlight. Puzzles can't hurt, however. Puzzles do help with specific things like increasing verbal aptitude and helping you learn a new subject more quickly. So long as you get plenty of exercise time outside, there's no reason to drop Sudoku. From oblivious parents to loud phone talkers, rude airline travelers are a year-round occurrence. In a survey of people who traveled over the Thanksgiving holiday, 24% said people are even more rude during the holidays. Some of the worst offenders? A lady telling her child to stop kicking the seat in front of them because the mean lady wants them to stop. A man clipping his toenails while sprawling on the floor at the gate and some dude picking scabs off his bald head, and a man with a wad of chew spitting into a cup throughout the flight. Yuck. And what originated in ancient Egypt and was considered an essential food for the afterlife? It was fruitcake. And here's a thought for the day. Handle every stressful situation like a dog. If you can't eat it or play with it, just pee on it and walk away. Just for fun this week... I'm Freddie Bell, and this is New Beginnings. Get the most from AARP, including advice and support to help you care for your loved ones. Fraud prevention with tips and tools to help protect you from scams and fraud, including a free helpline if you've been targeted, a scam tracking map, and watchdog alerts via email through the AARP Fraud Watch Network. If you don't know AARP, you don't know ARP. More information at AARP.org.
Did you know that now you can see and hear Sunday morning services from Unity South Twin Cities? Search Unity South Twin Cities online and Facebook and catch the live stream Sunday mornings at 1030 on Facebook.com. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the Senior Minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. My father, like the prodigious father, was embracing, loving, and empowering One way he expressed that is he would always meet me halfway. Son, you asked the question. I'll help you find the answer. I won't answer it for you. Many a time I would say, Dad, what does this weird word prodigious mean? And he'd point. He didn't even have to say anything because in the corner of our living room was one of those dictionary stands with his father's dictionaries about that thing. And that man, I'm not going to tell you. Use your ability. Consult that word source. Find your answer. I will always the ability to find your answer but I'm not going to answer it for you. I wonder what he would have done with that opening statement. What is the question that your life is the answer to? Well, he would always meet me halfway. And here's kind of an extreme way. He said, whatever interested me enough so that I would earn half the money or put in half the effort to acquire it. My father said, I will meet you halfway. We'll go 50-50. Charles Fillmore said that was our relationship with God. God is our partner, always willing to work with us, but we have to make that first initiating effort. So I was 14 years old, and I put this strategy to a test. There was a historic church in a nearby town being demolished. The bulldozers were already there. The beautiful stained glass windows were being torn down, not saved, destroyed. And when the church was halfway torn down, It was a Catholic church, so in the back balcony still standing was the turn of the 20th century pipe organ. A beautiful organ and all the oak casework and gold pipes. It was elegant. I didn't want it to be destroyed. I said, Dad, let's buy it. So he did talk to the demolition contractor 
and found out the contractor had dug a big hole and was going to just throw into the hole that beautiful instrument. They had a life-size sculpture of Michelangelo's Pietà. It was already in the big hole, broken from being cast into the pit. So the organ was next. He found out a prize. I said, I've got savings for half of it. My father said, I made my promise. So it was purchased. And he went the extra step. He knew a man back home who had a trucking company. And he said, will you get one of your drivers who deserves a day off? I'll pay him, lend him a truck, and go to this little town. And others will be there to help to pack up this pipe organ that James has bought. Well, I'm sure he questioned his own judgment. If this was a wise course of action, but he was going to follow and fulfill his promise. And so after a lot of work and a number of people and many miles, it was a good distance, a couple of hundred miles from our home, the trucks arrive, and the extensive basement of our house was filled with this hundred-year-old pipe organ. Many years went by, and I learned every detail by taking apart every little piece. Now, to be honest, I never put it back together to achieve a working instrument. It was beyond my skills at that time. But I learned a lot, and I kept that instrument from being in a hole. That is, I with my father's help. And as time went by, I found a historic church in Kansas City. And up in their balcony was part of their pipe organ for that church. But it had no casework. So it was all kinds of mechanics sitting there loose. Not unlike our great St. Paul Cathedral, the organ in the back balcony that's so beautiful now, a friend of mine from Missouri restored that organ in 2013. And where it had sat there all bare bones and exposed, he worked with an architect and they built that beautiful wood and gold case that's in the cathedral now. So this was a smaller example. So I gave all this beautiful quarter-sawn oak carved work from my organ to that church. And to this day, they dressed and clothed the pipe organ they had, which was naked, and clothed it with this beautiful. So there is a happy ending to the story. So my father fulfilled his promise on a much smaller scale, he was over the top, generous. When I was graduating from high school, like our friend Jana Christensen, 
uh, I needed a suit, and I went out, and of course, I picked out the more expensive suits, and I found one, and Dad said, well, let's get that. And I said, oh, oh, Dad, it's expensive. It's too expensive for me. And I'll never forget his response. Son, any suit in this world that I can afford, my son can afford. And he purchased that beautiful suit. I wore it for many years. Wouldn't fit anymore. But it sounded early on like a unity principle before I knew what a unity principle or even what unity was. And that is to realize we're all children of a prodigious father. Whatever source can provide, his creation deserves, can receive. That's how my father taught me, not unity as I teach it, but he taught me principles of life. He taught me promises should be fulfilled if the source is great and wealthy. Great and wealthy gifts can be provided for those who ask. Whatever I can afford, my children can afford. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the senior minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. I'm Freddie Bell, and here are today's words to the wise. Your character is your destiny. It emphasizes the connection between the person you are, your moral values, and the path your life takes. Your character, which includes your integrity, values, and behavior, plays a pivotal role in shaping the course of your life. The decisions you make, the relationships you build, and the opportunities you pursue are all influenced by your character. By cultivating a strong, positive, and principled character, you can navigate life's challenges with grace and create a destiny that aligns with your highest aspirations. Today's words of the wise, your character is your destiny. That's our show and thanks to our special guests for stopping by and sharing information that we hope can change lives. If you missed any of today's show, you can subscribe to our podcast or just Google Freddie Bell or stop by my website of the same name. Thanks for listening and remember that each day is a chance for a new beginning. See you next week.